regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. Hello, and welcome back to The Online Course Show. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins, and thank you for joining me here for episode 205. Today, we are diving into just a classic online course success story, and it's an absolute gem. Sometimes we'll have on guests who kind of specialize in a certain topic that can help you, but today is all about an inspiring online course creator success story in a non-money-making niche. And I'm thrilled to introduce you here to Lauren Bateman, who's absolutely crushing it with her guitar courses. And you know what's really amazing? She has completely streamlined her business. She's using basically just Kajabi. She releases just one video a week on YouTube and brings in around $60,000 a month from her courses. So just pretty incredible all around. And not only do I want you to hear just how simple and effective her setup is, but also that she's succeeding in a wildly competitive niche. I honestly think that guitar courses may be the most saturated online course market that I've come across, but stay tuned for some really cool things that Lauren is doing to stand out from that crowd in her niche. Before we jump into this fantastic conversation, I want to give a shout out to today's sponsor, and that is Bonjoro. Bonjoro lets you send a quick personalized video to an email address, I've been using it for over seven years in my own online course business to thank everyone who enrolls into my course. It adds just such an amazing personal touch that really makes all the difference with my students, and I recommend you do the same. As a listener of the online course show, you get an exclusive 20% off for life discount by heading to bonjoro.com slash OCG. That's B-O-N-J-O-R-O dot com slash OCG for online course guy. Now on to my conversation with Lauren Bateman. Hey Lauren, welcome to the online course show. Hello, how are you doing? Good. I'm so uh, so grateful for you to um, to schedule this time with me and to, to come on the podcast. Let me start by asking you: How long has a guitar course or courses been like your main income stream? Uh, full time. I kind kind of like the tail end of 2020 was really mm. when I was just like that. I kind of really went full in um, that I was able to make like a full time income that I could like kind of ignore everything else. I can't help but ask if COVID had anything to do in any way, shape, or form with that timing. It did. It did. I mean, you know, I'll tell a quick story. Um, when I started, you know, because I do a lot of stuff on YouTube. That's how I find a lot of, of my clients and my students. And um, I had a video that that took off just before COVID started, kind of the tail end of 2019. So I started selling more courses uh, and then, of course, everything kind of shut down the end of March and April was like this this slam dunk of a month. I made um, it was the first time I ever made sixteen thousand dollars for like myself uh, in a single month. So that was pretty that was pretty amazing. But then once everything reopened, it kind of like dive bombed and kind of like came back down to baseline, which is only like two or three thousand dollars a month. But it gave me a taste of what things could be. So I spent the rest of 2020 trying to figure out how to get back to that point. Mm. Um, so that's kind of my, my COVID story on that. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, I've, I've been, um, my courses have been out there for, for a while. And so when COVID hit, I also had a great month in April of 2020, phenomenal month. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of see, um, there's some people who were set up, they had courses already and they did really well, April, May, and yeah, it didn't last forever. Other people took it up as an opportunity to kind of start their business during that time. So it sounded like you were more in the, you know, somewhat established, but not as fully established as you wanted to be because it very quickly went back down right. kind of low. So what, what did you have in place then, or sorry, what do you have in place now that you didn't have in place then? Yeah. So I think, um, well, it was just much better at marketing. I had a lot more content. I had a lot more 
have a lot more visibility now, um, you know, kind of really was diving into who my audience was. So the things I did have in place, I had a course, I had a landing page that I had written that was like really, really crappy. It wasn't, it was like, I don't know, something that I wrote that was maybe two paragraphs long, but people still bought it. So it just goes to show you. So um, I just really had the bare bone basics. Um, but now I've got a bigger audience. I've got the credibility of, you know, testimonial, social proof. Uh, we've got an email list that we use to promote to a lot, which I re didn't really focus on in the beginning. Um, I wish that's, you know, people are always like, what would you have done differently if you started in the, in the beginning? It would have been focusing more on getting those emails early on, growing that list. Because, um, you know, you make a lot of money on on an email list. So having those emails in in your funnel versus someone else's, you know, proprietary, you know, like YouTube or something else. Um is something that I've been focusing on more now. Uh, you know, I, I do try to ask that question as well. What would you do differently knowing everything you knew today? So I'll, I'll cross that one off my list. I'll yeah. make sure we won't revisit that, but that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned, you know, you had your best month ever at that time, April, 2020, 16,000. Then it came, came down back to like the two, 3000 mm -hmm. range. Uh, would you mind sharing some broad numbers of around where it is today? Uh, yeah. So, you know, during the good months, so, you know, January, February, March, we probably did around anywhere from like 50 to 60,000 uh, a month. And, you know, June, July, August, those, these are kind of like our slower months. Um, so last year, you know, maybe we did like 30 to 40,000 during those slower months. January is always my best month. August is always my worst month. You know, people ask if my business is seasonal and, uh, and it absolutely is. I'm sure we have a very similar crossover in our niches. And, you know, I, you know, I, I have a piano course. I don't know anything about guitar. Um, other than that's a musical instrument as well. Yep. And then I host this podcast and I help people with their online course businesses. Uh, so what do you, what do you think the top like niches that comes like that? I feel like listens to this podcast and comes to me for, for advice on online courses. You want to take a guess? The top niche. For yeah. Considering my background is, is piano basically So would be the, my guess is you probably do get a lot of musicians only because I get a lot of musicians who are always asking me questions. Is that true? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. I would think it'd be specifically piano, but okay. it's actually guitar people oh, come it? to me. That's yeah, because it's so it's so adjacent. So yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of people come to me um, or they just like, hey, I listen to the show, things like that. Yeah. Um, so I know that guitar is an extremely crowded niche, possibly yeah. more so than piano. In fact, yeah. I would say likely more so than piano. Yeah. And I think all the more uh, reason to have a way to like differentiate yourself, like stand out from the market. Yeah. So my next question is simply like, how are you different than all the other guitar, uh, other guitar teachers out there, other guitar courses out there? Yeah. So I always tease people when people ask, ask me that question. I'm like, well, I, I'm female. So that helps a lot because most of Fair. most of the big, I mean, that, you know, it's a slight differentiator. I don't think it's necessarily what completely differentiates me. Um, but most of the, the big guitar teachers out there, especially on YouTube, Justin Guitar, Andy, Marty, like it's a bunch of guys, you know. Um, but my big thing that I focus on and I, I, think this is something I did very well, very early on in my marketing and my branding. And I was like, I'm going to focus on older learners, people over the age of 50. Um, because when I was teaching in my private music studio, I was like, who are the students that I loved teaching the most? And it was always the people who were over the age of 50. We just got along really well, you know, music, their music actually had guitar in it. It's not all electronic. And so you can actually teach them cool guitar stuff. So I was like, you know, I'm going to focus in on this older audience and I'm going to make a course that's really catered to them that moves a little bit slower because that's what I would have to do in studio with my students. And I'm just really going to focus in that like, I am the person for, you know, the retired student. Like I'm the teacher. If you're retired and you want to learn to play guitar, specifically acoustic guitar, I'm your person. It's turned out that my audience is also older, like almost entirely over 50, but I didn't yeah. start as smart as you. I just kind of put stuff out there and I assumed that maybe people my like my age would resonate with my message because 
you know, because because maybe they want to learn from somebody their own, own age, but I, it turned out to be an older audience. So that's really yeah. cool that you kind of started targeting that way. So yeah. uh, it sounds like you do you still do like uh, in-person lessons or is it all online now? I do. Everything's online now. Everything okay. I do um, is fully online. I still own my brick and mortar music schools, so I still have that side of the business. But everything I'm doing is is fully online. Amazing. So in-person lessons were a part of something you did. Um, the YouTube channel, the like starting to do courses, like give me a sense of the order that those happened in. Yeah. So, um, I opened my first brick and mortar location in 2012. I've been teaching kind of privately out of my home studio for a couple of years. Um, and then, you know, I started opening up other locations and around like 2015, 2016, I was pretty much entirely out of the business. Uh, so I was working on the business more than I was working in the business. Cause when you grow, you have to, you know, you don't have time to like teach a bunch of people and I miss the teaching aspect, but my schedule was such that like, I couldn't be at this location on Mondays from like two o'clock in the afternoon to nine o'clock at night. Like I needed a lot more flexibility in my schedule. So I was like, what can I do to like teach and help people, which was really what I was passionate about um, that didn't require me to be specifically in any certain place or any given time. Uh, So I said, well, I'm going to try this YouTube thing. (laughs) So, um, so that started in 2017. I uploaded um, my first real like official that I'm like, I'm going to go do guitar lessons video. I think I had a hundred subscribers. It was like my old channel that had like my old performances from my band and stuff on it. So, so yes, I had a hundred subscribers when I started, I didn't start from scratch, but, but that started 2017. I uploaded a video and I think I got one view. Um, and it was probably mine just making sure that I did it correctly. Um, but since then, you know, I've, I've just been consistent with it and and keep doing it. And, you know, now I have over 300,000 subscribers on the channel. So it's, so it's grown. It's, it's done good things. Yeah, it's amazing. Sometimes people will end up like one of when they want to go online, one of the first things they do is they make the course. And yeah. then they go back and they're like, "Oh, I need an audience. I need maybe maybe now I'll start a YouTube channel and so on." So, once again, yeah. it sounds like you're doing something uh you've done something definitely the right way. Yeah. So, YouTube in you've been on YouTube for 6 years. Are you yeah. doing YouTube the same way today as you were back then? Um, slightly different. Slightly different. I mean, back then I was kind of doing it part-time when I could, when I had time to do things. And, you know, in the beginning, I thought I was putting a lot of content up. And then I went back and I was like, I think my first year I only did like 19 videos. And I was like, that's not really a lot, a lot of content. Um, but I've gotten better at learning um, kind of production. Someone told me like, you know, when you become a YouTube creator, you're kind of opening your own production studio. Like you're basically becoming a television studio. And so upgraded, you know, lighting cameras and all that stuff too. Um, but just got better at, at delivery and getting comfortable with, with who I was as a teacher and not worrying so much about like, well, Justin's doing this thing and Andy's doing this thing and, and, and just being like, well, what am I going to do? And I feel like when more of my personality came out, that's when it really started taking off because, you know, something I was always nervous about. And, and again, one of those things that you're like, what's that differentiating factor? Uh, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm human. I make mistakes. And I'm like, and I don't have a degree in music. I'm just like you. I didn't go to school for music. I didn't go to school to teach even. I was like, so you and I actually have a lot in common. Like we're coming to this instrument because we're passionate about it. And we want to have fun with it. So I'm not here to get philosophical with you. I'm not here to tell you, you know, that you have to do things a certain way. I'm like, find out what works best for you, have fun. There's no pressure. Um, so I think that's kind of like a cool angle as well that I came at the channel at. As far as uh, frequency, it lo- I'm scanning through your channel right now. You about a video a week, something like that? Yep. Yeah. So I went from being fairly inconsistent. Um, and then in 2020, once, you know, that happened and I was really bored because the music school, I had, you know, admins that took care of that. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to start making content. So I was doing like two videos a week, 2020, 2021, even through 2022. Um, and then this year I've kind of, I've kind of cut back a little bit, um, doing like 
Sometimes I do a couple videos a week. Like last week, I did a couple videos. One of them was I went live. But I'm kind of doing like one video a week now, but I'm kind of being very, very strategic about the type of content that I'm I'm releasing um, versus just like trying to bust out content to get content out. Yeah, I think um, it can be really demoralizing for people on YouTube when they go through all this effort, put a video out there and it gets like 52 views and they were hoping for 52,000 views or maybe even more. So what is your process like from, you know, from the idea for the video all the way through publishing? Can you give us a high level overview of what those steps look like to try to ensure that it actually gets seen? Yeah. So for me, you know, I'm big on SEO. That's just always something I've loved and done. So that obviously hits YouTube search. Uh, but things that I've been focusing on, you know, the past couple of years, thumbnails, titles, titling things in a way that, that makes them want to click on it, especially for the more technique style videos. So like last week I had a Johnny Cash video come out and like, there's only so much you can do with like Johnny Cash guitar lesson. Um, but I think I put on it like a, easy four chord song, like just letting people know, like, this is something that's easy, um, something that you can accomplish, but trying to romanticize the titles and the thumbnails as much as possible, particularly for those technique lessons. Um, I do do a lot of research on the back end side. So I'll look through and I'll be like, what's working on YouTube now? Um, I will look at my competitors and be like, what video have they put out recently that seems to be doing well? I'm, g- I'm going to try and make a video that's very similar to that, or I'm going to do my take on that video. Because if it worked for them, it's quite possible it, w- it will work for me too. Um, so that's kind of some of the research I do. And then, you know, I, I try to spin it in a way that's specific to my ideal audience, you know. Um, so, for example, I had a company... They wanted me to review their picks and I I put a spin on it because it was a pick that had like a spring on it. It was for finger picking, but I I figured you could also use it for strumming too. And a lot of my students have arthritis and they can't hold on to the pick very well, especially if they have arthritis in their thumb. So I kind of flipped this video to be like, hey, if you have arthritis, this is the perfect pick for you. And that's how we spun that video for my audience. And, and it, w- it was, you know, um, an advertising video that I did with the company, but they did. They got tons of my audience to go over to their website and buy these picks because I had made a recommendation saying, hey, if you, you have arthritis, this might be a good option for you to not have that pick keep falling out of your hand all the time. Um, so those are different things that I do. I'm like, you know, number one, What's what's happening now? What are people clicking on? What are people interested in? How can I spin it in a way that is my teaching style? Or maybe I didn't like what they did and I do something completely opposite to what they did, but kind of like the same style of video. Um, and then thumbnails, titles. What am I going to call this video? What's the thumbnail going to be? And then two, just making sure you're promoting it. So, you know, I have a mailing list now. So like if a video comes out, send it out to your mailing list so that, you know, YouTube sees this surge of traffic coming in to the video. So it's more likely to start recommending that video too. From the thumbnail to title descriptions, um, video editing, how much are you doing yourself versus uh, somebody on your team? Um, I don't do any video editing. So at this point, I'm mainly just creating the content. Um, I will outsource a lot of the thumbnails, but I review them and kind of like critique the ones that like, I'm like, no, this needs to be, if if I'm going after something that I know potentially could be a really huge video, I want to make sure that the thumbnail is like spot on. Um, and then the titles, I'm writing the titles. Okay, cool. Uh, so I would imagine that YouTube is pretty essential part of your business is, I mean, are we talking like a hundred percent of your traffic comes from YouTube or do you have other traffic sources? No, I mean, I have a website too, that I use in conjunction with YouTube. So my website, I know I was shocked by this because I was checking the other month. And, um, I think last month they got like a hundred thousand unique visitors to my website, but I use YouTube and my website in conjunction a lot. So I think they really feed each other. Um, so, so I get, do get a lot from my website, but I, I do a survey when people buy my course, I say, Hey, you know, one, why did you buy the course? And what inspired you to like, to, to actually go and buy this course? And 90% of them are like, I saw you on YouTube. (laughs) I saw you on YouTube. I did some of your lessons on YouTube and I went and bought your course. So it just goes to show you that YouTube really is a huge catalyst for the business. 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people start YouTube, then they go to your website, they enter your funnel yeah. and so on. Yeah. Maybe a small percentage of people find you through your website originally, like with some Google SEO, yeah. but the majority of it, the lifeblood is still YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I got tracking software, like stuff like Hyros, and you can see like this person went to your website and then they signed up for the free course, but then they went over to the paid course, but they didn't buy it. And then they came back to the website. So it's really interesting to see the buyer journey and, and how many times they will sometimes click on different things before they'll actually buy something. Have you ever done paid ads? I have. Um, and I will say not very successfully. And I even worked with, I've worked with some big agencies too, who like, you know, promised the moon, um, but didn't happen. I feel like I, I just have such a great organic funnel. Um, and we haven't quite figured out how to get paid advertising to work for my brand and product yet. Not saying it doesn't work. It's just, we haven't figured it out yet. And I've spent gotcha. a lot of money to try and do it. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely echo that. I've, we, we've yeah. never really been successful with, uh, with Facebook ads, with the more interruptive style marketing. We yeah. have consistently done Google ads, for example, for probably seven years, uh, because yeah. people are actively searching for exactly things like how to play piano. And so we like to yeah. appear in those search results, but when you're interrupting feeds, uh, with, with like Facebook or Instagram, I haven't had a lot of luck there, but I, but I've yeah. heard, I, I know one guy in particular that has had a lot of success with guitar ads on yes. uh, Facebook. So yeah, there's a lot of variance. Absolutely. What about short form content versus long form content? Because you put out these YouTube videos we've mainly talked about the long form content, but I click yeah. on the shorts tab and you've got shorts as well. How are you weighing, you know, should I be doing long form content, short form content and so on? Um, for me, it's just, it's a personal preference. I prefer long form content and, you know, I do the shorts because like you're in the space and you kind of got to do things. So I, I do do shorts and, you know, I've had some that have done very well and, and some that haven't. But for me, you know, my bread and butter is long form content. And that's the medium in which I like to teach because, like I said, my students tend to be older adults and they like when I go slow. So trying to teach them something in like a 60 minute tidbit, like I'll do the quick tips and like, cause you have to, you just like, especially that's what I did. I went from going from two long form contents to doing two shorts and a long form, um, a week. So that's kind of like, what it is. You'll get two shorts for me and a long form each week. And sometimes you'll get more, but that's the minimum that I do. But you know, I do it because I you just kind of have to, you know, um, but I will tell people that if you are looking to sell a course and build a relationship with people, that happens in the long form content. The shorts is like just to kind of get on their radar, but you can't, you can't build a relationship with someone in like a little 60 second snippet. But if someone goes over and they watch one of your 15 minute videos, you might be able to create a relationship or they like something. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, your Superman shirt, or I have my Ninja Turtles in the background. They see something that they connect with and they're like, oh, you always wear these these superhero t-shirts and, and that's something people with connect with. And then they start liking you and, you know, they'll comment and you can comment back. And so uh, my preference is the long form content because I think that's the biggest bang for your buck, but it's also way more time consuming than doing, you know, a 15 second, 30 second short. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, your audience is older, right? They're probably not the ones consuming the short form content as yeah. much. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned the superheroes cause I still have just a bunch of your thumbnails up on the left side of my screen and then our conversations on the right. And you know, for the people that are just watching, uh, listening in audio, you're wearing a Superman shirt right now. And I, I didn't realize, but all your thought, like on your thumbnails, Zelda, Ninja Turtles, Wonder Woman, what, yeah. what's, what's going on with the, with that stuff? Part of your uh, brand, I guess. I, it's just, it's part of my brand. You know, it's funny. You guys can't see it much. I have like my little personality corner. But if you go on YouTube, I built this little personality corner. It's an old radio. And I have my Ninja Turtles. And then I have a 1968 Camaro that sits on top of it. Because I like classic cars. And I have a 68 Camaro. Um, and then I have my Gretsch guitar, which you can kind of see the corner of here. So are there, there are things that kind of draw attention to people, but I call it my personality corner because that's how I'm going to try and connect with people because 
my audience once again is older, so they'll see the old radio or they'll see the classic car and they're going to be like, what's that car? I have so many people are like, what year is that Camaro? Or they're like, is that a Camaro or a Mustang? So you see that people are paying attention and it's just part of my persona. I grew up watching Superman with, with my grandfather. We used to do like Nick at night in the summer. And, you know, I watched all the old black and white Superman TV, the, like the original Superman. So uh, I've always had a big place for Superman. I love Marvel. I love, you know, the superhero comics. And so it's just I think it's just part of my persona. And um, I also think blue shows up really well in a thumbnail. So I intentionally now buy shirt. It's weird. Like I buy shirts to wear on YouTube so that it will fit with my brand or it will fit with the thumbnail. So it's 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 evolved. That's that's really remarkable. I mean, a lot of people feel like they have to almost be somebody else once they start yeah. putting them their, their stuff on uh, on YouTube or just putting their stuff out there on the internet. Um, and what you've done there is really really cool. Now you're not you're not faking it. You're not saying, okay, my audience would love a '68 Camaro, so I'm going to put a model car behind me. You just know that you love it, and your audience might love it too. And so there's uh, there's that congruency there. I think a lot of people could take something away from this and like really owning your own personality and letting that shine. Yeah, yeah and paying attention to what people are saying because so many people like I wear a Zelda shirt and they're like, I love your shirt. Like I so many times people would comment like. I love your shirt. I love what you're wearing. And I'm like, well, I, I should wear more of these shirts. If they like it, I, I should wear more of these shirts. And that that's kind of how it evolved. I just happen to wear them. But sometimes I wouldn't wear a superhero shirt. And they'd be like, where's the Superman shirt? And I'm like, it's like the things people are paying attention to, people who become part of your community and watch your content and buy your courses, they're paying attention to the smallest things. Like one time I took this guitar in to a guitar shop to get fixed and I had a different guitar and I had so many people come, like, what happened to the Gretsch? And I'm like, they noticed for like that one or two videos that that guitar was not sitting there. So, so it's very interesting what your audience notices about your scenery and, and what you're doing on screen. All right. So I have an idea for you and considering how this conversation has gone so far, you're probably doing it already. But somebody finishes your course and you say, oh, my goodness, you're a superhero and you mail them a superhero shirt. That would be awesome. We have shirts now, so I, I could mail them. I can mail them some shirts. That's great. Cool. I like that. I'm going to write a that down. Right goodwill. Yeah, we have these um, we have these shirts that say I'm kind of a player and it's got our logo on it. And uh, there's like a special version of it that I wear in every video of my course. And when somebody okay. successfully um, completes completes the course or when they say they complete the course, all they have to do is they have to submit a video to us. Okay. Uh, and that's just to prove they actually went through the course. Like they can right. say, no, never use this for any marketing purposes ever. And either way, we'll mail them one of the, the exact shirt, not the exact shirt, not like the dirty version, but like um, the, the shirt that I'm wearing in all the course videos that they've seen oh, that says I'm awesome. kind of a player. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. A lot of goodwill. Yeah, absolutely. But for you, there's a perfect opportunity there. Like, oh my goodness, yeah. you finished the course. You're a superhero. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So you mentioned, uh, I want to stick on YouTube just a little bit longer, but you mentioned a little while ago about the sponsored video you had mm -hmm. uh, with the with the company that did the picks. Um, I know some people, you know, they ask me about that. Like, is this is this a company that reached out to you? Is it, was it a true sponsorship deal or was it like an affiliate relationship? Yeah. So it was, a, it was a true sponsorship with, they had reached out to me. Um, and they're like, you know, how much, how much would you charge for us to do, do a video with you? And they've, they've done a couple and I, and I get people who reach out to me all the time. Um, and I don't say yes to everything. There's very, very few things that I actually say yes to because I, I have all these brands that I've used for like my entire life, like my capo Kaiser. If you send me a different capo, I, I'm probably not going to use it. Like I've just used this my entire life. It's probably not going to change. I've had string companies reach out to me being like, can I send you my strings? And I'm just like, no, like, you know, I know pianos aren't as customizable as guitars, but you, you build preferences to the stuff that you like to play with. Um, so I will, only support something one if it's something that i use and i think would be beneficial to my audience um and it also has to line up with my brand i've had some guitar companies reach out and be like could you do a video on like a beginner guitar and i always tell students and you know this with piano like the more money you spend the better quality you know you're gonna get 
you know, weighted keys versus, you know, unweighted keys. It's better to have weighted keys, uh, you know, if you're buying like a digital piano. So same thing with guitar. And I always tell students like, listen, if it's in your budget, I would recommend spending a minimum of 300 to $500, particularly on an acoustic, because you're going to get something that's better quality and it's going to be easier to play. It just will be. And if you can't, no problem. But I'll, I've had guitar companies reach out to me being like, I'm selling my $100 guitar will you promote it? And it's like, no, that doesn't go with my brand because my students know I would never recommend a hundred dollar guitar. So when you're doing these, these brand deals, you have to remember that your audience is trusting you and they know if I'm recommending something, it's something I like because very rarely do I recommend a product that, you know, is outside my, my normal. And then how much do you, how do you know how much to charge? Just make up a number. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was just like, I'm just going to throw a number out. I mean, the first time I did it, you know, I was just like, I'm just going to throw a number out. And, and of course, as you get bigger, you realize that your brand has, has, and I think it depends on the product too. Like it was picks, like guitar picks. How much money are they going to make off of guitar picks? Probably, probably not a ton. Uh, I'm, I feel like they've probably gotten their money back with, with the, you know, my audience. Um, but like I have another one that is an affiliate deal with like a pedal that can be used on YouTube. It's called the Vidami pedal. Um, and they gave me a discount code to share with my students. And if they buy it, I get like, it's only like $15. It's not a lot of money. Um, but I did, did like the product. They're a new company. I said, Hey, I, I'll, I'll send out a, a coupon code. Sure. Um, and then the one other company that I kind of have an affiliate with is, is, um, Zager guitars. Um, they actually have donated a lot of guitars to us to give away to veterans. I do a lot of stuff with veterans, uh, and we were asking for this one guy who he was a blind veteran and we were trying to get him a guitar that would be useful for him. They, they mailed us six guitars for free and we just gave away a bunch of these guitars. They actually played really nice. They're a higher quality guitar. So that was something I was like, I would approve of this as like a beginner level guitar. You know, the ones they sent us were like five, six hundred dollars guitars on their site. Um, so I get so, so if one of my students goes to their site and buys a guitar, I think I get like 15% of the purchase price. So those are some different affiliate things, but it's, again, if you can notice, I only have three things that I really make money off of outside of like my normal stuff that I use that I was like, this company made a good impression on me. I'm going to work with them. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Yeah. So we've established that the, the vast majority of your traffic comes from YouTube. Um, I've certainly talked to plenty of people, by the way, I'm showing on YouTube, 300,000 subscribers, like 300 even. So that must be a recent milestone. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I that's, think I just hit it a few days ago. So incredible. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've certainly talked to plenty of people that have maybe not 300,000, but have a good subscriber base. And that doesn't mean you automatically can make course sales from that. So walk me through just kind of your funnel. What happens? Like, how are you getting viewers, subscribers from YouTube to ultimately purchase an online course from you? Yeah. So, you know, I've gotten better and this is probably one of the things I've changed over the years, gotten better at kind of putting calls to actions and little sales scripts into the videos. Um, so I have a recent video. It's, it's only been out for four months, but it already has over a million views. It was, it was one of those videos that I was like, this is going to be a good video. I know it is. Um, and I kind of mentioned the course early on in the video. And at the end of the video, it's just a complete sales pitch for my course. Um, and when that video took off, say we saw a bump in sales, obviously on the, on the online side of things. So you use the, the content to, get people over either to a course or some kind of giveaway, like a free lead magnet. I did, um, you know, I did a video over Christmas that was like simple, easy Christmas songs, like four Christmas songs you can play using only three chords. And because a lot of Christmas music is in the public domain, I was like, if you go over to my website, you can give me your email and I'll give you the PDF for these, these Christmas songs. And what it did was it put them in like a follow-up email sequence to then go buy my Christmas course. Being like, well, I'll teach you a lot more of these Christmas songs in this Christmas course. So you can do stuff like that. And, and one of my big things on my website that we do is I have a free crash course. And I just tell people, I, I will get you to play songs in 14 days. So if you go take this crash course and that, of course, again, puts them in a follow up email sequence, but also allows them to experience a course with me. 
and then be like, oh, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to feel like. I like this. Now I can make the bigger purchase. So I'm, I scrolled back in your feed. I'm guessing that video you're referring to is this one called Get Faster Fingers in One Week. Number one yeah. finger exercises of guitar. One million yeah. views five months ago. Yeah. So for example, with that video, are you are you actually pitching the course and like sending people to a sales page or are you or are you more pitching like a free opt-in funnel type situation? On that one, I pitched the course. That was a full course pitch. Yep. Is there I, any any sort of urgency at all? Like is there any, hey, you gotta do it by this time or this thing goes away? No, I just mentioned I mean, could I use the scarcity aspect? I could, it's, it's more just mentioning and letting people know, Hey, I have this course. Like, listen, if you really liked this, if, if you found this video super helpful and it's one of those like, aha, uh -huh, like your secret, mm -hmm. uh, one of those secret tips about playing guitar. And I'm like, listen, if you found this like five minute video, super helpful, imagine all the cool little tidbits that are going to be in my course that you'll have. Okay. I'm, I'm clicking on the video. I'm clicking on the video. I'm looking <laughs> at the description here. Uh, grab Lauren's beginner course. Okay. Clicking there. Uh, all right. So then we have a really nice sales page here. All right. What's the, yeah. what, what's the price point of this course? 297. 297. So you get people yeah. pretty much every day coming from that video onto the sales page and buying without any sort of urgency. Correct. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Is there <laughs> now email they, marketing? When I do email marketing, we use, you know, obviously use urgency a lot. Um, but on YouTube, I'm, I'm more of a soft seller on YouTube. So to that's, speak. that's no, that's perfectly fair. I just, yeah. I, I try to dissect and see what's working, what's Absolutely. not working and so on. And so let's say somebody comes here and they're not, you know, convinced right away, but they go to your site and they're like, Ooh, a free course. That sounds like what yeah. I want. And they opt yeah. into your free course. That's more of a funnel with some emails yeah. and some urgency, right? Yeah. What's and, going and away. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> what form of urgency are you using there? Um, so we give away, like, there's a bonus workshop that we give away, um, for people who it is called my crash course funnel. Um, so we give them kind of some extra things in there that people wouldn't get normally through the website. So that's kind of, that's kind of like the urgency pitch in that one. Um, the regular website, obviously there's, there's no urgency on that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not really like super hard sellers on the website other than like the sales page and you know the bonuses and all that all the typical stuff where we get more like salesy and scarcity marketing is definitely in the emails so if i go and like right now i'm just on your homepage, lauren and yep. it's very clear, like, get your free course learn guitar in 14 days like that's what you yeah. want me to do as the viewer of that's this website what i want you to do yeah mm -hmm. i um, want to get your email at least you might not be ready to buy today, but you might be ready to buy a year from now. So, so when you get, when you get my email, um, are you just kind of doing live launches every few months? Like what, walk me through what happens once I'm on your email list. Yeah. So we used to, so the course platform I use Kajabi, um, which you're familiar with, we used to do it as an official course in Kajabi, but Again, my audience is older, so they sometimes have a lot of technology issues. Um, plus, it also wastes one of your customers on like a free, uh, a free course. So we now we switched it over last year so that when they sign up, it basically just gives them a link to an unlisted web page, and it, it lists out the course there. The videos are there. There's no password. There's no login, but they get the content, um, and then that happens instantaneously, and they get a little workbook. If, you know, if they give us their email, you know, because we have to, you know, with all the rules and regulations, we say, hey, if you opt in and you confirm your email, we will send you the workbook that goes with the course. So most people, because they want the workbook, they will say yes, that they'll get on the email list and they have to double confirm and all that. And then once they get in that, um, there's about seven days that go by. Like the first couple of days is just offering some more value. Like the next day I send out, like, these are my recommend. Everyone asks me about what accessories do I use? So I send out a thing with some, you know, guitar recommendations, picks that I like to use for beginners and, and other stuff. And that's all affiliate links. So if they use any of those affiliate links, I make money off of it that way. Um, and then there's like, after that, we go through some fake myths, you know, I'm too old to play guitar, you know, so it's kind of hitting some of those objections that 
older adults would have, you know, oh, I should have done this so long ago, you know, buying an expensive guitar makes me better. So we're kind of like doing some um, knowledge sharing with them. And then we start selling the course being like, hey, just so you guys know, I have this course. And if you guys act now, I'm going to give you this this free workshop and these extra bonuses. Um, so that's kind of what it does. But I, I skipped one part of the funnel that's kind of important that we just added recently and I kicked myself for it. Um, once they sign up, they go to another landing page and we give them a discount on a course. <laughs> and then, which is, it, I think it ends up being like 73.50 is that course. It's a strumming course. And we're like, hey, safe. if you buy now this page only, we will give you 50% off. So they buy that and there's a little bump offer. So if they want to get, I forget what the bump offer is. It's like another workshop for $19. And then if they click all those, it takes them to one more landing page that sells them another. So potentially this free course could make us $100 in revenue on people who just signed up for free course. So that's the original funnel before they even get into the email. So I just wanted to point that out. There's like two funnels going on in that course. In the industry, we call that a tripwire funnel. Yeah. <laughs> Very well, see, good. I Very don't even good. know the terminology, and that's that's what we're doing. <laughs> Very cool. So that that leads nicely to asking about your like your course offerings and whatnot. Because I'll, I'll tell you, with Piano in Twenty One Days, we have like one main offer we present to people. It's like, hey, we can teach you to learn piano in twenty one days, and like this is pretty much everything I know about piano wrapped up in a course. So I don't right. have a bunch of different offers I can put in front of somebody like you do. So yeah. how do you manage those different offers and keep things relatively yeah. simple? Because I imagine, you know, you're pitching one thing to one person, you know, they buy it. You never really want to pitch them that one thing again, but you want to pitch them other things, right? right? How do you manage the different offers? Yeah. And that's something, you know, that's becoming challenging as we grow because we have so many offers. When I first started, it was my beginner course. It was it. There was the seven level guitar system. And that's still kind of our main offer. That's the first thing we want people to buy if they're a beginner is that seven level course for the 297. Um, and then, you know, I started asking people, what else do you guys want to learn? Because, you know, these the stuff in that course is just very foundational, basic, sketchy playing some songs. And people are like, I want to learn about finger picking. I was like, great, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a mini course on finger picking. And then people are like, well, I want to learn about how to play power chords. I want to learn how to play bar chords. And so I kind of kept asking my audience what they wanted. And I built all these mini courses around what they could do after they graduated from the seven level. Cause then, you know, people get there and they're like, well, what's next? I, I got through this course. Now what? So then we created the, the next level package, um, which ended up being all these little mini courses. We bundled them together. So if someone finishes the seven level, we're going to be like, hey, this is the next thing you're going to buy. It's the next level. And it's these five courses on, you know, finger picking, strumming, music theory, all the things you should probably want to learn after you finish this course. And that's also $297. Um, and then we have we're starting to get into more like genre specific stuff. Cause I have a lot of people who like the blues. So we've released a couple blues courses and we will, you know, pitch those and promote those individually. Um, and we also have our, our platinum package was, which is, Hey, if you just want to buy everything now, just buy it now for this much money. So, so it, it gets very tricky. The more things you have, but we try to keep it simple as, Listen, if we're going to get them to buy things, we want them to buy the seven level and then the next level. And if we can get them to buy those two things, each of those is two ninety seven. Or if I can't get them to buy the next level, I'll be like, well, what do you feel like? What about strumming? Do you feel like your strumming's up to par? And they're like, no, my strumming, I need need a lot of help with strumming and timing. Great. Then we'll just sell them the strumming course. That's part of that next level package. Um, so that's kind of how we do things. So, you know, I do have an administrator that helps me with this. So I'm not emailing people like, you know, in, in Kajabi, the CRM we use, we tag everything. So we know who has what courses. So if we're like, hey, let's do a promotion this month with the finger picking course. Let's just send it out to everyone who doesn't have this course. And that's how you start when you when you start getting a lot more courses under your belt. You need to be a little bit more specific with your, your marketing and, and your targeting. So let's take that one example there, the finger picking yeah. course. You look in Kajabi and you see, okay, I can tell all the people that have never bought this course. Obviously, I don't want to promote to the people that have bought this course. 
Um, when you say I'm going to promote it this month, what does that look like? Is it is it literally just putting some sales copy out there saying it's, it's it exists, or are you doing something special for to get them to buy right now? We'll do something special. We might put it in a bundle. So like, um, you know, if we did the finger picking thing, I might be like, hey. Um, we're going to do this songwriter bundle because singer songwriters tend to like to do finger picking. So they'll be like, Hey, I'm going to bundle, you know, we're going to do two courses for the price of one or, or three courses for the price of one. If you buy this finger picking course, we're also going to give you the songwriting workshop and maybe music theory 101. So it's like, okay, so they're going to pay $97 for the finger picking course, but they're like, wow, I'm going to get these other two things with it. So we're kind of offering a bonus. Sometimes I do discounts. I'm not a big, big, big fan of discounts. If I do a discount, it's usually bundled with something because um, I don't like undercutting my price. And, and I've never, ever sold my main product at a discount. People will email us and they'll be like, when's this going on sale? And we're like, never. It will never go on sale. It never does go on sale. And that's just who I am. But <laughs> Not even Black Friday, huh? Not even on Black Friday. What we did on Black Friday. So last year, we had an amazing November last year. We we had our first six-figure month um, ever. And it was part in part because of Black Friday. And I had the course, but I did get three courses for the price of one. So I was like, I never discount this course. But if you buy it for Black Friday, I'm going to give you these two other courses to go with it. So technically, was it discounted? Yes. Um, but I didn't discount that course price. And that went over. Uh, it did better than we thought. Like, I I was shocked. I really was. I was like, it works Amazing. better than a discount. <laughs> how, how big is your email list? Um, at the time of doing that, it's all it's not a huge email list. I think I only had like 20,000 people at the time. How big is yeah. it today? Um, I say we probably have about like 35,000. And I just got rid of like. 6,000 emails of yeah. people who had unsubscribed and all that stuff. So, yeah. But we were doing, I was doing a lot of advertising, The you know, the big months of the year. I do a lot of advertising to that free crash course to collect emails so that we can promote. Because, again, you know, you can get, I can get an email, you know, I'm getting leads at under a dollar an email, you know, and chances are they might buy whatever you called it, the tripwire. <laughs> they might buy some of those upsells. So the, the advertising kind of pays for itself. Um, so that's really the, the where I found success with advertising is promoting to a big audience, you know, a targeted audience. Obviously, we're trying to get people who are older learners. So I only advertise to people over the age of 50 because that's who I want. Um, primarily in the United States, United States, Canada. Those are kind of like my big sales countries. Uh, the UK as well, because uh, the conversion usually works out really well for people in the UK. So we'll do, you know, Canada, the U.S. and the U.K. Um, we will target people and we'll just be like, hey, take this free course. And, and you know, it's not like they got to pay for shipping or they got to pay for this. It's like it's a true free giveaway. And we do advertising with that to collect emails kind of during the busy parts of the year. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So the, the way that I came across your stuff, Lauren, I think you know this, is you put a post in the Kajabi Facebook group um, with some recent successes with Kajabi's new yeah. community platform yes. feature or whatever you want to call it. So let's talk a little yeah. community next. Is that something you weren't really providing to people before and now you are? Here's the thing. I was providing it. I just wasn't charging people for it. <laughs> so we, you know, I had a community. It was on Facebook. And, you know, Facebook has its pluses and minuses. Um, but, you know, I joke with people and my people are old school. And like, I remember it was my admin and I was like, I know where you live. Like, I'm going to kill you because they, my students, um, this was after, this was after COVID. They all behind my back with my admin put together this winter recital and they sent in all these videos and they got my wife in on it. And so we come home from dinner one night and she's like, I want to show you this video on YouTube. And I'm like, Hey, that's one of my students. And then it was like this, it was like this 90 minute recital of just all these students from all over the world. So needless to say, after that story, I messaged the admin in the group and I was like, don't forget, I know where you live. I'm going to kill you <laughs> like that. You did this behind my back. And, um, and I got flagged on YouTube for like, a terms of service violation because I, I had threatened someone. <laughs> I was just like, oh. So I 
that was starting to happen more frequently. A lot of my students were getting hacked on Facebook. Uh, and it was also a lot, you know, I had a virtual assistant, but it's a lot of legwork. Like, oh, if this person, originally, if they bought the course, it came with like a year membership to this Facebook community. But then we'd have to go in and remove them. And there was a lot of manual work to it. Um, and we had tried the original Kajabi community, which really wasn't that great. We tried switching over and everyone was like, we hate it. Like, no. So we went back to Facebook. Um, but then Kajabi came out with their new community update. And we tried this and students were like, this is so much better. And I think we have about, um, I think there's like a little over a thousand members in there right now. Um, some of those people are grandfathered in because when I started, I, I, I did sell a lifetime membership um, back in the days and in, in early 2020. Uh, we don't do that anymore. Um, so I wouldn't recommend you do a lifetime <laughs> because you're losing out on a lot of money. Um, but we do have, you know, a few hundred students that have a lifetime membership. So they're in there. Um, but now I charge for just what I was already doing, which is, you know, being in a community, answering people's questions, sharing my life. Like this morning I went live uh, one of my students, because I got my new tailor last year, and they were like, could you tell us which guitar you like better, your craft or your tailor, the two guitars I use in all my YouTube videos. So this morning I went live and I shared the guitars, what I liked about each of them. So you're kind of giving them behind the scenes, which I was already doing. I do pop-in lessons. I, I guess that's like a pop-in. I do a pop-in once a week, and then I do Q&A. Once a month I do a Q&A session with the students, and then we do something that's called Song Circle where I get together and I picked out five songs and they play along with me because they don't have an opportunity to play along with people a lot. So we, we play along to some songs and, you know, I just tell them, it's like, this is where you're at today. You, if you can't keep up with me, that's okay. If you're only doing one strum per chord, totally fine. Um, but that's what we do in the community. It's a way for me to connect with the students, and it's either, you know, a monthly or a yearly fee, and it's something we just started. I mean, we haven't even been doing it for a year, so, um, but we were in the beta test, so we started the community, I think it was November of, of this year, or actually 2022, so new, new frontier. If you could like walk me through the logistics of that a little more, because for, for example, what I do, Lauren, is I charge, uh, I've got two tiers to what I offer to people. You know, yeah. I mentioned earlier, I basically have one offer. Well, it's kind of two tiers to the same offer. What I, uh, what I allow people to do is they can buy the course, essentially the course and the mm -hmm. workbook for around $500, or yeah. they can buy the course, the workbook, some bonus courses, and then all the interaction. Uh, yeah. monthly Q and a community, things like that, you know, all of that for like a thousand bucks. Right. Yeah. Um, let's, let's compare the two models because what you do instead is you kind of break things out and, and charge yeah. more of an a la carte basis than what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. So you're yeah. charging for this community and all the interaction, like that offer only goes out to anybody that buys your courses. Like how does it work? Um, so no, it goes out to everyone. So they don't have to have a course to be part of the community. And we kind of do what's called an open and closed launch. So we open the community and then we kind of close it down for a couple months being like, yeah, it, it, to kind of create that scarcity element that you were talking about earlier, being like, no, you just can't enroll in this anytime you want. But if someone asked us, we would enroll them. But, <laughs> you know... <laughs> But it, it creates that scarcity. So when we do these promotions being like, hey, this is your last chance. You got to enroll now because we're not opening this up again for another three months. You're going to have to wait three months to get in on this. Um, so that's how we use that and kind of bring the scarcity in. Um, so, yeah, anyone, they don't have to buy a course to be part of it. I have some students who've never bought a course for me, but they're in the community. Why would someone do that? I think there's some people who they want that closer connection. They want that closer connection. Um, and maybe they feel, cause there's a lot of students who are like, well, I don't feel like I'm a beginner anymore. Um, you know, but they, they want to not feel alone. A lot of people, you know, learning an instrument can be a very lonely process if you don't have other people to share that with. So, you know, we always promote the community as like, it's, it's really inexpensive mentorship, but not only that, you get a group of friends who knows exactly how you feel, who can support you, who can motivate you. And we're like, just, you don't have to learn guitar alone. So come on in, even if you're in my course or not, like you're part of our community, you're part of 
learning guitar and you obviously watch my YouTube videos, you got to know who I am to be part of this community. Um, and we're all kind of, you know, I'm the connector, but you get in there and like, there's people who've made friendships with each other, like people who meet up and play guitar together. And it, it, it's just really cool how a community can evolve once you start one. What's the monthly cost? Um, so it's $27 a month. Um, and we bill that quarterly. So basically they have to pay for three months. Um, or if they want to steal, they can pay for a full year for one ninety seven. And then, so that's, that's actual recurring revenue for you. Uh, unlike these yeah. the one-time course purchases. Um, do you know about how much that's adding to your bottom line each month or each quarter or each year? Each year we'd have to like, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. We're just starting to do this, but I do see, you know, the monthly charges are coming in. So that's probably adding like another two or 3000 a month to the top line. Most people, when we do our launches, most people opt for the yearly. Mm -hmm. Cause they're like, I mean, it's $27 a month or it's one ninety seven for the year. It's like almost half off. So most people are hopping on for the full year. So, you know, we're going to get a lot of our, our renewal data probably come December, January, you know, when we did our first year launch. So. And when I go to your site, you know, there's, there's lots of information about lots of your courses and whatnot. And we have, we've already talked about, you know, you pretty much let people buy courses whenever. Um, but I don't see any information unless I'm missing about the community. Is that something that only goes out to the email list? Um, so we're actually rebuilding the web, my website right now. So there is going to be an entire section on the membership. Um, I thought there was a membership button in the upper, but no, I think we charged that, changed that to the free course. Um, I mention it in videos. So I, I promote it on YouTube. Um, and kind of sometimes below the videos, I comment, I'll be like, join my private community. And, but for right now, the biggest promotion is to the email list. Got it. Yeah. All right. So we've talked a lot about what has worked, what is working and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about you. For me, I had a ton of failures. There were definitely moments where I thought, you know, this is not going to work and so on. Could you share a time that like things didn't really work out so well for you? Um, well, I mean, there's been times when I was learning about launching new products. I mean, there, there were times that I'd launch a new product and like we wouldn't sell anything. <laughs> we're like, well, that didn't work. What, like what happened there? Um, so, you know, just because you come out with a new product or you launch something doesn't mean it's always, it's always going to work. And, and failures early on, even with YouTube, like my first video that took off, that video got, I think it's almost 2 million views now, but there wasn't even a call to action in that video, which is strange because when you, when we talk about, you know, you were asking me earlier about call to actions and like how you're getting people off of YouTube, there was no call to action in this video. I didn't even have a link below the video to promote the course. But when that video took off, I started selling a ton of courses. So it was something to me that was like, one, you don't necessarily need a call to action all the time, but I sure would have loved to have had a call to action <laughs> in that video to be like, go sign up for the free course below. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I made early on was just not being cognizant of how big things could become. Cause when you're just getting started, you're like, well, let's see what happens. But then you have that video that takes off and you're like, damn, I wish I had done, wish I had done more um, with this in terms of promoting more that I had a course and letting people know that I was kind of in the beginning, just letting people haphazardly fall, find me, you know, uh, and for those who are really motivated, they did, but I probably lost out on a lot of money because I failed early on to just let people know that I even had a course. So I mentioned earlier that we met, uh, in the Kajabi Facebook group. So I would regret not asking you a little bit more about Kajabi. Is that a platform where you just kind of started there and never looked back or more like me where you've tried pretty much all of them? Yeah, I started on teachable. I started on Teachable and then I started taking, you know, a lot of courses from other coaches and I noticed that most of them were using Kajabi and these were multi seven figure businesses. And I, and I always pay attention, um, you know, like the two levels of learning, like I'm taking a course and most of the people I'm taking courses with 
are using this platform called Kajabi. There must be a reason why they're using this platform. Um, so the end of 2020, I switched from Teachable to Kajabi. Um, I liked, you know, that it was an all-in-one. Uh, I, I just, I'm a big aesthetics person. I felt like the aesthetics were so much better on Kajabi on, on the backend side, but also on the website, like the landing page side. Um, their landing pages are like 10 times better than, um, than Teachable. And I, I've just been on there ever since. So are you using, I mean, like you said, one of the main advantages is the all in one nature of it. When you're on teachable, yeah. you, you need a few other tools to be able to do everything yeah. you're doing in Kajabi. You already, you know, one of the things that I find people, even that like Kajabi, uh, don't use is maybe their emails. Uh, that's kind of mm -hmm. me. It sounds like you're using even their emails. Are yeah. you using any big pieces of software outside of Kajabi or is it pretty much the whole business in there? The majority of the business is in there. We've considered maybe switching out email at this stage because we're trying to get a lot more granular with the marketing. Um, but right now everything's in there. Um, we use, I can't remember the name of the software, but something like proof that pops up like this person just bought your course. So we have a couple little like mini softwares um, that we that use. Be, that, I feel like that's so easy for Kajabi to make. Just the little pop-up that says I know. The, the social proof. Yeah. <laughs> No, and that's why I was glad they have the community because I was looking at other stuff outside of Kajabi. So when that's why when they came out with that, I was like, this is great. Um, but yeah, I don't use too many softwares outside of Kajabi other than, you know, with my editing, with my editor, we use we use Dropbox um, to to upload and, and exchange content. But for the most part, I'm mainly using Kajabi for most of the core stuff. Amazing. Yeah. All right, well, Lauren, that has um, exhausted the main points that I wanted to get to. So, I mean, just super inspirational to hear all the amazing successes. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, thanks for coming on and let's stay in touch. Absolutely, thanks so much. A huge thank you again to Lauren Bateman for sharing her incredible journey and insights. I just love getting that just raw story behind the success and hearing how how successful it is today and then breaking it down and seeing what's worked for her, what didn't work for her in hopes that you can take some valuable insights away and also hopefully it can motivate you to keep moving forward to try to find similar success that she has. And so of course, thank you again for tuning in to another episode, the show notes for this episode and any links we mentioned today, you can find it oc.show slash 205. If you want any support on your journey with your online course business, you can check out what I have to offer by going to the online course guy. Dot com. That's going to do it for this one. I will see you in the next one. Take care.